0: Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is a CBC podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. COVID vaccines are already approved in this country for those age 12 and older. Pfizer Biontech says it plans to apply to Health Canada to authorize its vaccine in children age 5 to 11 as early as this week, which makes this a really good time to ask what do we know about kids and COVID vaccines? Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you? I'm good, and I hope you are too. And I have a question for you: Have parents been calling your office asking about COVID vaccines?
0: Oh yeah, every uh, every month or so, there's a there's a COVID conversation topic that is sort of overwhelmingly the uh, uh, the main theme. And certainly this month, it's it's vaccines for kids, COVID vaccines for kids, and it's been an amazing. Um, uh learning experience for all of us because there's um parents who are at every point along the spectrum from you know anti-vax all the way to like um you know my kid's gonna be first in line and uh yeah this is gonna be an interesting few few months.
1: It sure sounds like it's going to be and I'm looking forward to the conversation but first why don't you give us a hi my name is tell us what you do and where you do it just ad lib.
0: Sure. Hi my name is Dan Flanders and I'm a pediatrician in Toronto. And um, I also operate a large pediatric uh, clinic in Midtown Toronto. Um, And it's a pleasure to be here today.
1: Okay. Dan, let's start with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. What do we know from clinical trials about how effective it is in children age 5 to 11?
0: Yeah. So um, about a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, um, Pfizer-BioNTech sort of released to the public some of the data that they've accumulated in their... Uh, Efficacy and safety studies. And they looked at uh, just over 2,000 patients, um, age 5 to 11, and they gave a dose of the vaccine to them. And then they measured their COVID uh, spike protein antibody levels in their blood afterwards. And if there's a reasonably high amount of spike protein in your blood, um, then that suggests that you will be uh, reasonably immune to COVID or protected from COVID at that point. And in the trial, um, they noticed that the children achieved uh, very high uh, COVID spike antibody levels, equivalent to what we've seen in adults. So that's very encouraging, meaning we have reason to believe that uh, children will develop really good immunity. And then on the safety side, um, they monitored for side effects and adverse events, and the rates of side effects and adverse events were essentially equivalent to what we've seen in the teenagers and the adults. So it all is very encouraging. Um, We just have to be a little bit careful that this is data that was published um, by the drug company. Um, It hasn't sort of gone up to the scrutiny of the FDA and Health Canada and um, until we really sort of... Get independent evaluators looking at it, you know we just we just need to maintain a a healthy uh, level of caution and skepticism.
1: Has it been peer reviewed
0: so we're in the process of it being peer reviewed in the sense that um, all the regulators are now um, pouring through the data um, and you know hopefully within a few weeks we're going to get some some answers about whether this will be approved and when we're going to see needles in children's arms.
1: What do we know about the other COVID vaccines uh, that are out there in, uh, with respect to, to their potential use in children?
0: So they're not as far along in the process. So I think it's fairly clear that Pfizer's vaccine is going to be the one that we start giving to children. Um, and um, probably in the new year, we're going to see this process repeated with um, at least one of the other vaccines, but probably two or three.
1: So that's good news. Um, I want to ask you a general question. How do COVID vaccines for elementary school-age kids differ uh, from the vaccines that are given to adults?
0: So the actual uh, recipe to to make the contents of the vaccine and and what is actually getting injected into the arms of children or what will hopefully be injected into the arms of children is exactly the same. Uh, What is different is the dose. Um, whereas in adults, we're giving uh, a 30 microgram dose, um, 30 micrograms of, of the mRNA. Um, in children, we're going to be giving one third of that uh, 10 micrograms. The idea being that not only are children smaller than adults, but um, their immune systems are probably, on average, a little more, a little stronger, a little more potent in their reaction. So they need a smaller dose to create an equivalent level of immunity.
1: How common is it for kids' vaccine dose to be less than that of uh, grown ups
0: um, it, It's fairly common, and the dose decision is made based on um, you know the phase uh, the phase one and two trials that are developed before the the, the phase three trial, which has just finished um, you, One wants to determine the dose the lowest possible dose to cause a a, a reasonable level of immunity. So um, you don't wanna give more than necessary because that increases the risk of side effects and adverse events, and you don't wanna give too little because then you're not gonna get a a good enough response to cause a proper protection. So there are other vaccines out there, for example, the, the hepatitis B vaccine, where for children we give half the dose and for adults we give a full dose. There's other vaccines where, you know, whether you're one week old or 99 years old, it's the same dose. Um, it's not arbitrarily determined. It's it's much more a function of what they've discovered and what they've learned in the phase one to three trials.
1: We've heard a lot about myocarditis as a side effect of COVID vaccines. What can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, so uh, that's a real uh, documented, scientifically demonstrated adverse event of the vaccine. And um, uh, we have been seeing that happen, uh, myocarditis. Um, which is an inflammatory um, reaction in the heart. We've been seeing it in adults. We've been seeing it in um, teenagers. And, uh, you know, when we were discovering this adverse event, there was appropriate and legitimate concern that this could, um, you know, this could be a problem. This could, um, you know, limit the success of our vaccination campaigns. But as more data came along and as more, um, you know, really smart people critically assessed the data, what we can say about myocarditis is that it happens, yes. Um, when it happens, it tends to be very mild and fairly easily treated. And in a real analysis of cost and benefit, if you ask yourself, are you more likely to get myocarditis or severe myocarditis that's life-threatening from the vaccine or from covid itself it's a non it's a no-brainer um you're way way higher risk of getting bad myocarditis from covid than you are from the vaccine so when you're making that decision do i get vaccinated or do i take a risk and stay you know unimmune the 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 balance is way 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 in favor of getting the vaccine despite the risk of myocarditis or any of the other documented side effects which are so rare
1: are there any other safety concerns regarding uh, the COVID vaccine in younger kids?
0: Um, not that I'm aware of. The, you know, the only thing that I would <clears throat> comment on is that you know these trials have been um, conducted in you know just over two thousand children. Um, that's a fairly uh, sizable number of children, um, but we eventually plan on giving this to uh, billions of children. And so the very, very rare events um, tend to come out later as, you know, we get into the millions of doses. So by no means do I think we should be um, slowing down or holding back on initiating the immunization campaign against COVID for kids. But we need and we have a very strong safety surveillance program where as we give more and more vaccines and as we get into the hundreds of thousands and millions and maybe even billions, Um, that we just make sure we're being cautious and keeping our eyes open for the possibility that there could be rare side effects that we need to know about and that eventually we will need we will know about and we'll be able to mitigate as that information sort of makes its way through
1: so how prepared is canada for a vaccine rollout for children as opposed to grown-ups
0: yeah that's a great question um I, you know, I think that um, we've become incredibly proficient at administering um, vaccines to, you know, mass populations. We have lots of experience annually giving um, flu vaccines to uh, millions of people. We now have a year of experience giving COVID vaccine to literally millions of people. We have all the infrastructure set up. Um there's a there's a small difference in that, you know, younger children it takes a little bit more skill and it takes a little bit more sort of uh negotiation skills with some of these youngsters and it takes a little bit more time to um successfully give vaccines to these kids. So there's that element of um expertise uh in terms of giving vaccines to younger children that you know that might be a little wrinkle we have to iron out over time. But uh, I'm confident that we're going to be able to really um, Um, succeed at giving, you know, hundreds of thousands up to millions of doses in a a very time-efficient way.
1: You've touched on uh, persuasive skills, negotiation skills. Can you say more about that?
0: Yeah, you know, pediatricians, family doctors, um, other primary care providers who um, give, let's say, hundreds of vaccines every day um, will know what I'm talking about when I say um, it's just not the same as giving a flu shot to a 60 year old a lot of kids have really bad needle phobia and if you don't handle that situation um compassionately but uh what's the word i'm looking for authoritatively because you can't sit all day negotiating you know anyone who has who has experience doing this knows that it's not the same and it requires a special skill set and if you don't have it it could be it could be problematic it could waste time and it could actually be harmful for kids if you um you know, if you, from the kid's perspective, attack them with a needle while they're screaming, no, stay away from me. Um, so so that's a, it's something that's going to come up and become an issue as we roll this out. But, you know, we're, we're very well resourced in Ontario with people who have lots of experience managing pediatric problems. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it?
1: Unlocking the fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it.
0: When do you think we're
1: going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. How much uh, of a role uh, do parents play uh, when you're in the room there and and you're pulling out the vaccine you're about to give it to a child?
0: Oh huge. A lot of these children look to their parents for um for taking the next step. And if you have a needle phobic parent trying to um trying to um reassure a needle phobic patient, um, it doesn't always go so well. And so there's a lot about parenting and there's a lot about um you know, the strategy around how to sort of set up expectations for kids when they're about to get their vaccine, um, that could go quite a long way. So, um, for example, reading books about, um, you know, going to the doctor's office and getting a needle in advance could go a long way to sort of setting the stage for the kid to, you know, not um, suffer so much from the experience. Um, and sort of projecting a confidence that everything is going to be okay when you 're in the room with your child um, also goes a long way because the you know the children looks up to their parent and sees you know a, a confident positive gesture, a confident positive person that gives them the sort of strength to 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 carry on that that mood, carry on that mindset.
1: So you've talked a lot about uh, giving uh, the vaccine in your office or clinic, uh, as as other pediatricians and, and family physicians and nurse practitioners will do. But some Im- immunizations are given in schools. So what do you think about giving COVID vaccinations there versus a primary care center?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it could work in schools. I think for the really young kids, it could be challenging because they, they, they it re- like like we were talking about, it does require a different skill set, but. Once you're getting you know up to nine ten eleven twelve year olds um I think the schools could be a a very um a very good venue they you know they 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 are touch points for the vast majority of children in the in the province, so it's a very comprehensive way to capture you know almost all of the children um but sort of generally as a as a general rule, and i think we're learning this more and more as the pandemic goes on. I think we need to just add the word and to all of the strategies. So we should have vaccines in doctor's offices and vaccines at school and mobile vaccine clinics and mass vaccine clinics. I mean, I really think we have to throw everything at this so that the probability of capturing you know, all the children is maximized.
1: I want to I've, I've just briefly touched on parents and I want to say more about that now for for reasons that will be obvious. And I remember that before the pandemic, you came on my other show, White Coat Art, to talk about how you speak with parents who are anxious at that time about getting their kids vaccinated with the more routine childhood vaccinations, including MMR, measles, mumps, rubella. So how are you gearing up to talk to parents about COVID vaccines and kids?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is such a fascinating topic and it's, um, you know, I, I love talking about it. And I think there's there's so, so much so much that we could learn about um, um, supporting families, supporting parents, being advocates for children's health in a collaborative way rather than in a confrontational way with parents. Um, and, and I think this is a, a really interesting um Backdrop for this. Um, what, what I find particularly interesting about COVID is, I think it's very normal and natural to have a skeptical um, or or to ask a lot of questions or to feel a bit nervous about giving your child what, in in all fairness, is a is a really new medicine, a really new vaccine. Um, I think the vast majority of parents have questioned the safety and question the efficacy of the vaccine um, and there's a spirit nowadays in the media and in doctor's offices where you know parents feel like if they even for a moment feel skeptical they're going to be shunned they're going to be um, they're going to be made pariahs because we, we just we just have to push 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 to get everyone 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 vaccinated. And don't get me wrong, I agree, we need to push to get everyone vaccinated, but I think we need to be a little bit more compassionate and understanding that there's a natural human reaction to this, which is, geez, like I don't know how I feel about you know sending my kid to the doctor's office on the first day that a vaccine is, appro- is approved for kids. So how am I gearing up? I'm really practicing um, compassion and I'm really practicing my sort of empathy skills. Because I think that if parents feel heard and parents feel understood, then they're in a much better position to understand that even though this is a new vaccine, we're balancing risk here. And the risk of something really rotten happening to a child from the vaccine is so incredibly low. And the risk of something rotten happening to a kid or to a kid's grandparents or to a kid's uncle or a kid's teacher is really is fairly significant. And when you balance those risks, it's just so incredibly obvious that getting the vaccine is the right thing to do. Um, I think that the public health system and our media have been very effective to get the message across to parents. And I don't think parents need doctors proactively pushing them even harder into making a decision that they're not necessarily so comfortable with. But if you need to sit with me for an hour to talk it out, I'm there for you and more than happy to, to talk it out with you. If you're convinced that you don't want to give your child the vaccine, I really don't see it as my place to say, but wait a minute, let me try to change your mind.
1: But you've had experience when you when you spend a long time speaking with parents that that once their anxieties are addressed, they're prepared to get their kids vaccinated.
0: Oh, I would say the majority of conversations I have with parents, so long as there's an interest in learning and understanding and the best interest of their children at heart. I would say more than half of the patients ultimately decide okay. to go ahead and, and vaccinate their child. And I would say the other half, I would divide them in half and say probably half never do. And the other half continue to, to sort of struggle with the decision, but ultimately okay. decide to do it.
1: Final question I want to ask you, Dan, there has been a big push to to get as many Canadians vaccinated as possible. and And until now, one of the largest groups that couldn't be vaccinated were younger kids. So so what does vaccinating children mean for either ending the pandemic or or getting us as close to uh, a pre-pandemic conditions as as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question and uh, there's so many ways to answer it. You know, things can only get better with our 5 to 11 year olds vaccinated. The situation can only get better we could only improve by increasing the proportion of the population that is fully vaccinated um, and we we see it now there's more than one-third of the cases are now happening in in school-aged children and you know in a few months from now we're really going to be able to take a big chunk out of that i'm crossing my fingers as i think as i say this is going to be a really important A really landmark event that's going to hopefully take us a a big step in the direction of this horrible nightmare being over.
1: Well, we all hope that you're right. And uh, Dr. Dan Flanders, I want to thank you for speaking with us on The Dose.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye now. Take care.
1: Dr. Dan Flanders is a pediatrician in Toronto. Here's your dose of smart advice. Pfizer-BioNTech will shortly apply for approval of its COVID vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11. At one-third the dose of vaccine used in adults, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine produces a strong immune response in children. The company says the vaccine has been shown to be safe. Myocarditis, or inflammation of the heart, is a side effect of the vaccine seen in children and teens. It occurs more often in males than in females. The symptoms are usually mild and are treated easily. The risk of myocarditis from getting infected with COVID is far greater than the risk when getting the vaccine. Other vaccines are being tested for safety and effectiveness in younger children. Schools may be a good location to get older kids ages 9 to 11 immunized because you can vaccinate a large number of children in one place. But to get younger kids age 5 to 9 vaccinated, that will likely require the expertise of pediatricians, family doctors and nurse practitioners who have special skills vaccinating children in that age group. The newness of COVID vaccines means some parents are anxious about vaccinating their younger children. Showing compassion and empathy to parents can lead to more parents saying yes. Vaccinating 5- to 11-year-olds will boost the number of Canadians immunized against the coronavirus and help bring us closer to what life was like before the pandemic. If you have topics you'd like to hear or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is TheDose at CBC.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Amina Zoffer. Technical support was by Lauda Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose.